Sometimes when I'm talking with my dad in a public place, there are groups of people that eavesdrop on us and they stare at us. Sometimes people even come up to us and let us know that they think what we're doing is so cool. It's because we're talking in ASL, American Sign Language. My father is deaf. He's been so since he was two years old when he lost his hearing to spinal meningitis. All he's known is a silent world, and he's happy in it. Even though I'm not a member of the deaf community, I've seen the way the hearing world looks at them. And despite the fact my father is considered disabled, I've never really educated myself on what ableism is and what it looks like, or learned about the larger coalition of disabled people. Andrew Gerza, podcast and disability awareness consultant, gave me his own experience being what he calls deliciously disabled. True to Andrew's nature, this episode discusses sexuality in a frank and funny way, so you may not want to listen with the kids around. I'm Graham High, and this is Straight White Guy Listening. Do you mind if I kind of just start at the beginning? Like, uh, what's your story? If, if you don't mind kind of telling us, you know, how you got to where you are today, you know, with a podcast and kind of being the voice that you are. Uh, wow, that is a super broad... I know. Sure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, maybe I'll put a little more context. So it's like, I really like how you phrase it as shining a bright light on sex and disability. And I think that's such a cool way to place it and obviously you had to get to this place where you're like you know what I want to do this I want to shine a light on sex and disability so do you think you could kind of set up how you even got to this place yeah I mean I wanted to have sex like everybody else did when I was 16 17 18 19 and I wasn't doing that as a as a young disabled kid I guess I should back up hi my name is um Andrew Gerza I'm a disability awareness consultant. I do work specifically around sex and disability and disability generally, and I'm also the host of Disability After Dark. That's me. Um, But (laughs) how I got to do this was I just, I'm queer, and I wanted to talk about being queer and disabled, and I wanted to do that for a long time. And when I finished school, I have a master's in law and the disabled from a school in Canada. Carlton U, hey, what up? I have a master's from there, and when Mm -hmm. I finished that, I was looking for a job, and I wanted to do disability consulting when I was in in school, but there was no course for that. Nobody knew what that was, so when I finished school, I went to employment recruiters, and I said, I want to do sexuality and disability counseling or consulting. Can you find me a job in that field? And they went, yeah, Mm -hmm. that doesn't doesn't exist. And I was like, what do you mean that doesn't exist? Like, I want to do it. Like, help help me find a job. So they told me that it was a nice hobby, and mm. it wasn't really a job, and best of luck to you. Do you want to flip burgers, or do you want to do telemarketing? And I said, I don't want to do any of that. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. And so I realized very quickly after finishing school that I had to kind of go on my own. And I just started, I was at home one day depressed, looking for telemarketing jobs, looking for like, mm. quote unquote, real work realizing that I wasn't finding anything and realizing that I didn't want to do telemarketing because I had worked for a telemarketer for five years, so I'd done that in the corporate world and I hated it. And I wanted to do something that made my 
soul jump a little bit and right be, and be excited. I mean, that sounds really cliche, but it's true. I really wanted <laughs> no. something that would make me happy, and this was something that I wanted to do. And so, I remember one day I was looking at porn, and I was looking at something to get off because I was like, "Well, I'm home alone and bored, so I'm gonna look at porn." So I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I was doing that, and I was like, you know. I wonder if any queer outlets have ever done anything on disability. And I emailed this one in Toronto, and they were, at, they're defunct now, but they were called Fab Magazine back in like 2012. I emailed them and just said, hi, have you ever featured a disabled guy on your cover or something mm-hmm. or something like that? And they were like, no, this is a great idea. Do you want us to send a photographer over in an hour? And I was like, Whoa. okay, that's yeah. cool. So within 30 minutes of sending this, this email, I had a guy at my door with like, hi, I'm here to take a picture of you with your shirt off. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's okay. So I did one and I was shy and awkward and nervous of the whole thing. But, and they took the picture and they put, they put it on like their like fab guy of the month or something. And it was me that there. Cool. And I just was like, that's, and it was a little tiny local Toronto taste of like Toronto fame for a hot second. And that was mm-hmm. nice. And then... And then I realized that I had something that I could do with that. And so I Mm -hmm. I started emailing other outlets. The first outlet that I ever emailed was HuffPost Queer Voices. I emailed their queer section and I just said, hi, my name's Andrew. I have a story about sex and disability and stuff that's happened to me. Can I write a piece for you? And they went, that's a yes, we'd like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, please do. So I wrote (laughs) a couple pieces for them. And at this time they didn't pay. Now they do, but they didn't pay at this point. So I was just writing to get my name out there because nobody knew who I was. Yeah. And I made enough, I, I had enough pieces that people started to know that I was the guy that wrote on sex and disability. And then one day I just made a business card and I said, okay, my name is Andrew. At the time, I, I had a longer last name. And it, basically I said, my name is Andrew Gerza. I, I'm a disability awareness consultant. And I had no idea what mm-hmm. the fuck that meant. That just sounded cool. And I was like, all right. So I put it on a business card and I started saying, here's what I do. That's and great. To some weird, like, surprise, people went, "Okay, cool." <laughs> well, if that wasn't out there, though, right? I mean, there are some disability visibility movements, but as far as like, was there anything when you were looking for it that you wanted to emulate or something? No, like that? I mean, I saw a lot of people doing stuff around accessibility, and there are a lot of people mm-hmm. that do consulting around accessibility, which is extremely important, and I totally get that, and I. And I do stuff around accessibility, too. It's a very important part of the disability movement. But nobody was talking about how disability feels. Mm. Nobody was sharing how the lived experience of being a disabled person, and in my case, being a queer disabled man, and trying to get your... trying to I'm going to be really blunt here. <laughs> and, trying yeah, to get your, and trying to get your dick wet uh-huh. in, the, in this queer community. Right. Nobody was talking about that experience, and I was like, I want to talk about that. So I really for a long time really pushed myself as like overtly sexual because I wanted mm-hmm. people to take note of what I was saying and be aware that yes I'm a, I'm a wheelchair user but I'm also I want to I can fuck like my peers do so I was trying to be really overt now I'm more now that I'm like a little bit older and a little bit wiser I'm less mm-hmm. like let's talk about dick all the time and I'm also like let's talk about how all these things like ableism and prejudice play into my experience is trying to access sexuality. Well, that makes uh, sense to me because, I mean, you know, sexuality is such a human thing. Uh, to be human 
is to be on some spectrum of sexuality. And if you don't see that represented, then that's you know, that's something to put yourself out there. Yeah. Uh, to really be like, hey, I'm a sexual person. I, w- I think about the things you think about. And uh, to also be a part of the queer community as well. Yeah. And to put that voice. I think that's that's really great. Actually, uh, so in your, your podcast, uh, I'll just put out uh, the Disability After Dark is this a lot of what you talk about. And uh, I listened to a couple episodes, but one of them that I was like, oh, this is really cool, is you were talking about sex in the bathtub. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was great because it's like, you know, I think everybody is like, oh, man, logistically, how does sex in the bathtub work? But then yeah. you, you brought your perspective of what it's like, uh, not only just sexu- sexually, but the considerations you need to take with a disabled person. Yeah, and, and that, that was a really that was a fun one to do because I was looking for content and I was looking at all the magazines and I was looking at like to do when I do when I do when I when I research for the podcast I look at all the popular magazines and I see what they're talking about and mm-hmm. I look to see where disability is not included and I'm trying to then I try to take that and be like okay what if what if this bathtub article and how to how to fuck your partner in a bathtub. That's basically a lot of what I was seeing, like, get in a sexy bathtub with your partner and then do this. <laughs> and I wasn't seeing disabled there, so I was like, all right, let me take this hilariously ridiculous idea anyway and mm-hmm. then attach disability to it and just show you how how already ridiculous, it, like, how much more difficult it would be or how, or some considerations if you were able to have sex, um, mm-hmm. have sex as a disabled person in a bathtub. Here's what you would do. And I just, like, that was a really fun one to do. I also did a similar one a few weeks, a few months ago, actually, where it was the the kind of food you should eat mm-hmm. if you're going to go on a first date as a disabled person and the easiest food that a partner <laughs> could help you eat. Just just really, I take all the first date things and I kind of make sure the disability is front and center there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're talking about stuff that everyone needs to do. Like, uh, what I really enjoyed it was about communication, about needs and wants and fears and where you're comfortable and where you're uncomfortable and that's a part of every relationship and by you sharing that with the audience it helps them understand what your experience is like and I think that's cool I mean I I learned more just by listening to that and also about my own sexuality I'm like you know what yeah uh hey I can't (laughs) I, I don't feel comfortable picking you up or I I you know, uh, I'm sensitive to hot temperatures or whatever. That's that's a very cool thing to bring out, and also just normalize sexuality and disability at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and I'll I'll, I'll just kind of qualify what you're saying there. I don't, I really right. try not to normalize disability. I think oh right, okay. I have weird, which is and it's funny you brought it up, but I just have weird like thoughts on the word normalize because. Mm-hmm. Disability is normal, and that's fine. And I'm like, for me personally, this is not every disabled person's view. This is just mine. But I am not normal, and like I'm mm-hmm. more than okay with being. You know, I kind of thrive on being outside of the pack. So when people say, right. "Oh, I want to normalize disability," my thing is like, "Why? Why mm-hmm. can't it just be what it is?" Right, and uh, you know, anything like that, I'm more than open to hearing because you know we're we're focusing on you know, language and what people, how people use it. 
and you know i think sometimes like i just did you use words that you assume they mean a certain thing uh but, but also what I you said is not what you said is not wrong what you said is not inappropriate i just think mm-hmm. because the disability community is so nuanced and there's so many mm-hmm. different types of disabilities out there and there's so many different ways people view disability for themselves when you when we talk about stuff like that like that that's why I, as a disabled person like you could say normalized to another disabled person and they might have mm-hmm. totally not stopped you and i almost didn't but then i was like oh well this is what we're here to talk about so here's right. my thoughts on that so but but i think that having different perspectives within the disabled community is so important mm-hmm. well i mean uh you know i mentioned briefly in uh our first email correspondence and I don't know if this quite fits in, but my, my father is a deaf man and, you know, as a hearing person, that's a different community. Uh, I have had some perspective being like, oh, hey, he's, it's similar to the, where you feel about normalization. It's not like he wants to be a hearing person. He's, he is who he is when all the way through. He's you know what I think culture. we want as disabled people, as deaf people, as people who are on the margins? We mm-hmm. want the prejudice that is so vehemently hurled towards us for being for being unique and being beautifully disabled or in my case deliciously disabled is what I will refer to myself. <laughs> to yeah. be to be that way, we want your prejudice to stop. And if you stop treating us like we're some horrible other that you can't fathom spending time with mm. all the things we need to make to make ourselves to give ourselves inclusion won't seem so strange to you if you mm-hmm. if the average white able-bodied straight guy and I'm not saying you I'm just saying somebody like average Joe in the world would stop right. and recognize their own privilege for half a second when it comes to a disabled person or a marginalized person, whatever we're talking about, a person of color, mm-hmm. those, they would just recognize that they have privilege and shut the fuck up and sit down for a second. Like, even me as a white disabled person who's cisgender, I have to shut up sometimes because, mm-hmm. sure, I'm disabled, but that doesn't absolve me of being a racist. It doesn't absolve me of being, you know, it doesn't absolve me of, of having responsibility. So if white able-bodied people would also just admit that they are if more people would just admit they're afraid of disability a little bit, mm-hmm. if we would start there, because everybody goes, everybody says this about about a disabled person. Oh no, your disability doesn't bother me in the least, mm-hmm. and that's such a lie. And you know how I know this? Because because I'll meet guys online and I want to mess around and I'll say, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. Is that all right with you? And they'll go, oh yeah, cool, it's no problem. And then they'll come to my house to do the thing that we just talked about, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh wow, I didn't realize you were like for real disabled. So. Mm-hmm. All that is to say, if we would just start admitting that otherness scares us a little bit, and not 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 in a like disgusting, like overtly prejudicial way, but if we just start talking about that more openly and admitting that and putting that on the floor, that might be a lot more beneficial for everybody who's on the margins because then they'll see that people have these real feelings and we can work through them together as opposed to like people pretending they don't have it.
if you don't mind me kind of being analogous to that, uh, you know, Obama was elected, and we kind of collectively, a lot of white people were like, all right, we beat racism. We did it, guys. And it's like, no, we didn't. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, uh, you know, in America, of course, we are having a a lot of problems uh, with racism and that. But I feel like it's similar. Oh, really? To what you're Why? Could it be because you have an orange Cheeto in your office as the, <laughs> right. the front runner right now? Yeah, got it. Yeah, we got a we got a lot of stuff we got to work through. But it's like we didn't acknowledge, you know, our own discomfort with race or our ability to talk about it. And it seems like, and maybe I'm just drawing an unfair conclusion, but it seems like people want to skip uh, the their uh, discomfort with disability and just kind of act like they're perfectly fine without actually dealing with their own uh, ableism. apprehension. Ableism. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. People have ableism. And if we would just, if we would talk about ableism, like how we talk about racism, like how we talk about other forms of prejudice and we start talking about it for real and not in a way that says, Oh, you're an ableist, you're an asshole, because guess what? I'm disabled and I can be an ableist too. Mm. I can have prejudices too and I can have I can have views on disability that are not always correct too and so but if we have conversations about this stuff and start calling it what it is ableism then we can start changing the conversation and that's what I hope that's what I'm trying to and hope to do yeah I would love to get uh, go down this road more with you and all of its permutations uh, because you know, I—that's a big word for a podcast. Permutations. That's, <laughs> wow. I have it on my desktop, just like you got to use this word somewhere in there. Amazing. Just Do you like have like a, a podcast <laughs> word a day thing? Because I'm, yeah. I'm there for that. <laughs> just yeah, every got to use a new word every episode. Uh, well, maybe I really enjoyed what you're saying about, you know, uh, messaging a guy. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then he shows up. I mean, do you mind kind of walking us through your experience so that we can understand what ableism may look like in those situations if there's, or if there's specific ways that it inhabits in a romantic way? Yeah, I mean, I'll be clear. I don't really do romance anymore because mm. men are trash and they should all be burned at the stake. But aside from that, no, like I... <laughs> I actively will work with sex workers because I got tired of dealing with like, oh, let's go on a date. Let's have feelings. Mm -hmm. No, I want what I want and I'm going to get what I want and then you're going to leave because I reached this, I'm 35 now, I reached this point where like the fairy tale dream of like meeting somebody, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is because I'm disabled in 35 or just 35. There's a point where when like you try really hard and that shit doesn't work out a bunch of times, you're like, okay, well, fuck no, I don't want to do this anymore. I want mm-hmm. what I, I want to. I want to have fun for a couple hours, and then we're done. So, like the way ableism manifests there, and the way the and the reason why I, I decided to work with sex workers was because I was getting a lot of like people online being like, "Oh, hey, does your dick work?" Or, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear you're disabled. That's supposed mm-hmm. to be so tough for you." And I'm like. No, I'm fine. I'm proud of it. Like, I was going to mess around with you, but now I don't want to. Or they'll come in, right. and I had a guy once years ago, and I'll never forget this. He came in over for a date, and he walked to my house, and the very first thing he says to me is, um, is your nurse coming by to take care of you later? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. No, no, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this now. Um, mm-hmm. So just stuff like that, people just being, like, blatantly ignorant 
and forgetting right. that even though I could tell you whether my dick worked online, what do I have to? And if I'm on mm-hmm. a sex app, something works. <laughs> and like, yeah, I guess so. yeah. If it doesn't work, I'm still a valid person. Like, if I couldn't get an erection, I still deserve pleasure. Like, mm-hmm. what, 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 what right do you have to, to, you know? So it just, it was all that stuff that kind of led me down a path of like, I would rather spend money to spend time with somebody who I trust. And mm-hmm. who I can get to know. And so now the workers that I work with, I've been with the worker for two and a half, almost two years. And mm-hmm. again, we're not dating. We're not in any kind of like romantic relationship. But there's a friendship and a comfortability there that once every two weeks, they come over and we get off together. And that's mm-hmm. there's something powerful about that because I designed that for myself. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, And I don't have to worry about, oh my God, do they like me? Are we best friends like it's none of that and I mean it did take me a couple of tries with this worker to like to get out of that mindset but now that Mm -hmm. I know that it's a working relationship I'm comfortable because I know every two weeks I get to have sex with somebody that I like so Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that yeah well I mean that that makes sense to me and you know we haven't really talked that much about sex work in in a practical way on this podcast you know we've talked about uh, you know, rights for sex workers or people that uh, use uh, sexual worker services and, you know, just have sex uh, with people that are sex workers. I, I that's uh, You're honestly, you're the first guest that came out and be like, hey, I use that and it makes sense to me. I mean... Wow, I'm so honored to be that person for you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, but the, it was, that wasn't an easy decision that I came, came to. It took me a mm-hmm. long time. And also... I'm privileged enough that I have financial security to do that. Like I'm, and I, I don't have, I don't have a lot of money. Like I'm not rolling in the dollars to hire these people. It's a, it's a, it's an investment in myself. So when I, mm-hmm. when I work a job and when I do, because I do talks around sexuality and disability. So when I get some dollars, I put enough away to mm-hmm. know that okay, this is enough for my worker this month, or this is enough for this, or like, I, it's something that I take very seriously, and I'm very privilege to do because some people with disabilities don't have that option but Mm -hmm. for me I got tired of dealing with ableism and I just wanted to be you know to be blunt with you I wanted somebody to mess around with and not give a shit Mm -hmm. if if we were in a romantic relationship or not and there's something really powerful about having sex just to have sex not because there has to be anything tied to it Mm -hmm. yeah I could see that and uh, especially if you are also putting yourself through this emotional uh scarring possible scarring with strangers you meet online or possible dating it seems like you it sounds like you said trust you trust this person now and you know basically inviting some strangers over to try to you know connect and then have sex and then go through this or like that makes sense to me uh, it's it's a whole like drama that i just don't have the energy for as a disabled person that thought that that thought that he could never get laid, and he. Mm-hmm. I thought for a long time that I would never have sex, and when I did have sex, it usually ended in me being upset because the person throughout the sex or after or before was an ableist asshat. I ended up not enjoying myself. This way, mm-hmm. I can enjoy myself and then say, bye, see you later, see you in two weeks, bye. And there's no, mm-hmm. there's no like fear of like, do they like me? Are we gonna go, am I gonna see them again? There's none of that because I know I will because I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I think something that can be 
hard for people uh, like non-disabled people with ableism, including myself, uh, is like, oh yeah, disabled people have sex uh, because you know I think it's something that I don't know that people just don't. I've I've read I was doing some reading. And it's like the uh, the term I saw was infantilization. I can't say it right, but making disabled people like children. Yeah, treating us like perpetual children. Yeah, yeah, infantilization for sure. It happens. Infantilization. Like, yeah, there's a master degree. Yeah, See, you got the <laughs> you got the word. But yeah, uh, I mean, do you want to? Can you speak to that? I mean, in your experience, you feel like people. I mean, people just, I remember I was going with my friend to buy groceries about a year ago. We went to, and she was helping me buy groceries, and we're at the store, and this woman walks up to my friend, and I'm with her, okay, and I'm th- I'm 34 at this point, mm-hmm. and this woman walks up to my friend, this old lady, and she's old, okay, so I'm respecting that she's my elder, all right? So mm-hmm. she's in the store with us, we're, we're getting dinner to go and watch TV later that night, and so we're there, and the woman goes up to my friend and goes, oh... It's so nice to see you taking people like that out. Thank you mm. for that. And my friend is looking at me, and we're both straight to laugh because I'm paying for the dinner. Mm. I am buying all this. So she, <laughs> she's she's just carrying it for me. So we start to laugh. And my friend says to the old lady, in like a nice, she goes, What do you mean, ma'am? And the woman goes, Well, I used to help people like that. And so I know how hard it must, how hard it must be for you to take care of him. And my friend goes, No, 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 no. He's buying me dinner. Like, mm-hmm. nothing. I'm not taking care of him. He's taking care of me. So thanks for like. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it happens all the time. This infantilization, and so that's why I think when I first started doing my work in sexuality, and partly why I wanted to do sex and disability work, to be like, see, I'm not a kid. I can mm-hmm. have sex. Look, see, I'm not a child. I can my see. So, I mean, I think it's just really sad that we're still in a place, 30 years after the Americans with Disabilities Act, and like. 20 years mm-hmm. after some provincial Canadian laws here that don't really work, um, we still treat disabled people like they're not, they're not real people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also shocking in that story that you just shared with the older woman that apparently she helped disabled people and still uh, didn't quite confer on you that the wholeness of yourself. She's even someone who was that close to... Uh, serving disabled people helping being a part of that is still looking down on you well this is this is i think people who who get into attending care and people who do this kind of work sometimes they are they're they think they're the savior you're not saving me you're helping Mm. me in fact i'm saving you because without me you wouldn't have a job so really you're like you should be (laughs) the one to bow down to me and say thanks andrew for needing help today so i got paid like 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 you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think I'm not saying that caregiving isn't a hard profession. Of course it is. It's it's not an easy job, and mm-hmm. sometimes disabled people can be dicks, myself included. Um, so, but like to think that that because you're helping somebody, you're doing some like greater thing that makes you a savior. Like, go fuck yourself. No, you're not. You're helping somebody. Do that mm-hmm. and feel proud of that and move on. Uh, likewise, I mean in the gay or queer or the LGBTQ community, um, how how are they handling, and I, I'm just saying they, <laughs> but how, how is the, the gay and queer and trans community handling, you know, disability? Is they're, it, they're not. Yeah, 
Okay. It's, it's so, it's so erased, and it's so. And unfortunately, I think it's because the the gay community specifically talking about like white able-bodied cis gay men. They don't give a fuck about disability because, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think it's because. When they look at disabled people, they are reminded of, of what happened, you know, 30, 40 years ago with the AIDS epidemic. When they see somebody in a wheelchair who's queer and mm. in a wheelchair, it, it reminds them that, you know, they could also get sick if wow. they don't take care of themselves. So it's scared. It jolts them into force their own mortality, and that's why they don't engage. That's just my own personal opinion, but that's really what I think. I think mm-hmm. a lot of gay men, queer people, I find the queer community... People who are trans, people who are non-binary, and people who are, you know, queer people of color, they're a lot more, in my experience, they're a lot more open to the to the, to the reality of disability than, say, white, cis, gay, able-bodied men. Mm-hmm. But to those white, cis, gay men, I'm going to say this to you, to the white, cis, able-bodied, you know, muscle mm-hmm. queens that go to the clubs every week, I'm going to say this. When disability becomes a part of your life and you need help, we're going to be there for you. So Mm. you should be there for us now, too. That does say something about the uh, disabled community, too. I mean, can you talk about that community? Uh, Because in its own way, it's intersectional because, you know, disability doesn't just affect one type of person and it affects people differently. Oh, yeah. Totally in it. Like I again, I, I spoke earlier about how I'm, I'm full of privilege. I'm a white, cisgender, disabled man who can, who has the privilege of speech, and I have the privilege of being able to say what I want, and I have the privilege of being able to be independent with a little bit of help. And so, I think it's important that we remember that dis- being disabled doesn't just mean you're you're a wheelchair user. It can mean you have a chronic illness, it can mean you have an invisible illness, it can mean you have mental health stuff, it can mean you have all of that and then some together. So, like, we really need to stop looking at these representations of disability, like in the movies, when all we see is like, oh no, someone had a tragic accident, oh dear, now they're disabled, their lives are over. Mm-hmm. I would love to see representations of disability that are, okay, Andrew was born with cerebral palsy, but he's happy. Mm-hmm. He, he enjoys his life and guess what he's proud to be disabled like that's that's something that I wish the media would focus on you don't always become disabled sometimes you just are disabled and in my case I was born that way so mm-hmm. I've been disabled for, it's my blood so why aren't we celebrating those parts of disability too mm-hmm. right I mean I guess whenever you see a disabled person in a film or a television show or something that's all about them able-bodied and then they become disabled and then it's them and then they want to die at the end like <laughs> like you know like it's, it's silly it's just it's not it's not representative of what disability really is look there are days when disability is really hard for me and there are days that I fucking hate being disabled but there are also days when I'm like yeah being disabled is really cool and I'm, I'm proud of it and I'm never gonna not be disabled and but I don't want somebody to make a movie of me where, like, and I've, I've done documentary. I've been featured in documentaries. And I remember mm-hmm. for this documentary in Canada that I was in called Picture This, where they kind of did a did an expose of my life as a queer disabled man. Um, and I remember the director said to me one day, she's like, can we get you 
sitting in a window looking wistfully out the window and I stopped her and I went <laughs> what why and she was like well because it's, it makes for a very beautiful shot and I was like yeah but it's gonna make the audience think that I'm like that that's what I do all the time and that's all, like right. I had to explain to her that I'm not I'm not like looking for a different life I literally mm-hmm. just want to get my I want to meet some people and get my dick wet like that's all I want mm-hmm. and yeah. so all that is to say like to, to answer your larger question, disability is not a monolith. Disability mm-hmm. is a nuanced... Disability is a culture all by itself. It's mm-hmm. a it's a cultural piece of our world that we don't talk about enough. It's not just... It's not just being unable to do something or, or doing something differently. It's about what do you feel about yourself? And, and I, I think we need to celebrate disability way more than we do. You know, the, the human experience is so big and broad, and the way that people live their lives is uh, uh, beyond what we can imagine. And the fact that I think some people just anticipate how bad they would feel or something like that. They put a lot of baggage onto disabled people. And but, Well, it's not even people. It's, it's society put that baggage on us already. Like, mm-hmm. the way disability, especially in the U.S., the way disability has been constructed, if you're disabled, it means you can't work. It means mm-hmm. you're not productive. It means you're not important. It means you're shut in. It means that you are less than. It means all those things. But if you look, if you go and talk to a bunch of disabled people, like we were talking earlier about how you found me, it's Alice Wong. She mm-hmm. is a disabled person that I admire to the millionth degree because she she's out there doing it and putting her thoughts on Twitter. And she became like, she's a Twitter celebrity. She's mm-hmm. a big deal. And it's in part because she's disabled. And, like, that's power. Right. Like, mm-hmm. she met Obama digitally. That's, I mean... That is cool. Yeah, I saw that photo. I'm like, like what? Like, fuck, that's... I, I want to meet Obama digitally. Hey, Obama, if you're around, mm-hmm. I know you're not the president anymore. If you want to meet me, I'm here. Um, but, like, <laughs> you know, there's something powerful in that. And she did that because... She got to do that because of her, her being a disabled person. And that's... I think that's great. Like, why aren't we mm-hmm. celebrating that? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's super cool. And I mean, you know, it's uh, something I've been trying to get in terms with in general is like, you know, everyone need, needs to embrace their own story and uh, who they are and where they come from. And I mean, you know, I am a straight white guy, but, you know, I have things about myself that I try to ignore or Ooh, let's break let's let's open up <laughs> i ready let's, i'm ready for this let's do this well it's you know i i mean it's i grew up in a super christian place uh it was like uh evangelical and grew up in the south and you know there's some things about my family that i was like oh i, I carried some shame uh you know just even being like a, a divorced kid kind of a thing you know it's when I meet people at work and I'm like, you know, not that anything's wrong with divorce, but there is a stigma. So I have my own like tiny little trinkets, you know, I mean, I'm a able-bodied. You have the trauma trinkets. That's what you, that's, (laughs) if you, if you title your episodes, that's what I want. This one to be called. Trauma trinkets. I'm trying to minimize my own thing and I just end up sounding like an asshole. (laughs) But, but you know, it's like, I have my own, yeah, I have my own, traumas or I have my own uh struggles I've had in my life uh but I've also realized that uh 
you can't just ignore them or throw them away or pretend they aren't there. I'm no. trying to acknowledge them and be like, hey, that's part of me fundamentally. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it sounds like you've done that and to great effects, like you've really, you saw that part of your identity, like with both sex and disability, and you really set out when there wasn't a path charted for you, which is crazy to me. I, I That takes such courage and vision. I mean, I kind of did it, like I was saying earlier, I did it, I literally made up a card and said, okay, this is who I am now, let's go out and see what happens. And mm-hmm. I love that because it meant that I could be whatever I wanted. It meant that I could do whatever I wanted with that. I wasn't bound by any kind of structure or stricture and I could I could just I could use this platform to create change and now, you know, now I'm now I'm getting more and more well known and my profile's rising and that's mm-hmm. the, like I'm a humble guy. I'm not saying to be like I'm a star, but I'm but it's no, it's it's nice to see that people are paying attention to what I'm doing and I, if I can use my platform to help somebody else like my sister and I are working on the first line of sex toys for and by disabled people called Deliciously Disabled we're doing that right mm-hmm. now um, that's great yeah I'd love to hear about that yeah we you know it's so funny because I've been working in sexuality for, for years and years I never considered this as an option and one day, my sister said to me, I'll never forget this, she said, Andrew, what is one thing you, what is a product that you would want to make for disabled people that would help make your life better? And mm-hmm. I said something like, oh, I need, a, I, need to, I need a grabber so I can grab stuff that fell on the floor. And she came back and she said, no, 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 that's silly. You work in sex. She goes, I'm going to give you an idea. What about sex toys? And initially I was like, no, no, like, no, 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 that's, uh, we can't do that. And she's like, no, let's talk about it. So we talked about it, but like, a little bit and we came up with a plan and she's like I know how to my sister's really good in marketing she works for mm-hmm. she's worked for in in advertising in in Sydney Australia for years and years so we sat down together and she goes you have the lived experience of disability I, I have this marketing background we can work together and at first it was like do I really want to do sex toys with my sister but then to <laughs> see like what it could become and that she could learn about disability through it and I could learn about how to how to build a brand through her. It was a really mm-hmm. like fortuitous and like real, I'm really proud that we get to work together because we are now forging a relationship both as, as friends and business partners and family. That's, I don't think there's anyone like that out there right now. Yeah, that is great. Well, that's a perfect intersection. I mean, it sounds familiar. Like you similar to just your calling to talk about sex and disability you you saw like an opening and you're gonna go fill it because there's obviously people that want what you want so definitely when we started talking about um when we started putting it out to the community and saying do you would you use a thing like this everybody was like oh yes yes totally and every, <laughs> oh, everybody yeah. yeah people right away were like yes mm-hmm, right yep yeah, mm-hmm. and people that we would talk to separately and we would tell them what we're doing they go that's such a cool idea i don't know why that's not out there but i don't like people are excited by it because it's not been done before mm-hmm. the, di- the difference is is that we're not we're not simply putting a bandage on it by by what and what i mean by that is we're not um we're not adapting a toy. We're we're trying to do it from disability-driven design, which means mm-hmm. the disabled experience is in the room from the beginning, 
right all the way through the end and that's what's different we're not adapting we're not like putting it we're not putting a handle on a dildo and saying there are jobs right. done we're saying let's make it let's use disability to make this toy as usable for somebody mm-hmm. with and not it's not for every disability right now we're looking at people with limited hand mobility at this point mm-hmm. and then if it, if that goes big and we can find other ways to help other people that's what we're going to do but also we want to build deliciously disabled into a lifestyle brand around mm-hmm. being what being disabled means and why that's why that's important and why that can be um, great and why that can be not so great and how do we talk about all this stuff and so it's a it's a really fun way to situate disability while talking about all this stuff under a brand that is like fun because usually when we talk about disability we talk about like the hardships or the need for accessibility or the need for mm-hmm. blah blah we don't say hey disability is great mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like you're giving <laughs> you're going to be giving pleasure to so many people I mean, <laughs> you are not wrong about that in so many ways. That's a whole other podcast, though. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. We like to dream a little bit. And what does the future look like uh, for queer or disabled people? And uh, What I want it to look like or what it yeah. looks like? What, what we want it to look like. I mean, I can, can, like, I can give you those two schools of thought right now. Right. What it, what it is going to look like in the future if we keep letting right-wing conservatives in our governments is we're going to be fucked because our money to... Just taking away the queer piece just to survive as a disabled person, the way these politicians are are, are not even considering us as people is terrifying to me mm. terrifying the way that our the way our social security systems work to give people give disabled people and marginalized people enough money to live if these assholes keep being put in power we're gonna that safety net's gonna be gonna be spent so that's terrifying I'm scared mm. about that in the next 10 years but what I want is for all of these tech companies who are like let's build a wheelchair that goes upstairs okay don't do that stop (laughs) i don't fucking care about that make these tech companies let's you know find a way to get rid of stairs let's build Mm. buildings that are not that don't have stairs let's let's start talking about disability more let's start making it something we celebrate let's start having disability pride parades that are not always about rights and more about like let's get drunk and be disabled and have a good time like like mm-hmm. i want to see disability what i'm saying is i want to yeah. see disability celebrated more in the next 10 years right. not not fought for and i'm not saying the fight is important of course it is i'm i'm fighting too but fighting is tiring i want to play mm-hmm. disabled people have a right and deserve to play and that's what i kind of want to do with all, with all the stuff i'm doing disabled people have a right to play mhm i mean that is a that's a good point of view into it because it's not fair to like keep on putting it back on you to keep on fighting for things. It's exhausting, quite frankly. Right. But yeah. honestly, it, it's tiring as fuck. And I, he like when I'm not when I'm not fighting for my rights, I'm actually a pretty nerdy, dorky, funny guy. And if you spend <laughs> time with a disabled person and not have and spend time with them in a way that is not them constantly pleading with you to be to be included and you you already include them you get to see them relax for a minute and that's mm. i mean we don't see enough of that like to be 
weirdly comic, I want to unclench my butthole a little bit <laughs> and take a breather and be like, okay, I'm disabled here with you. Let's enjoy that. Like, I love mm-hmm. the work I do, but it's really tiring sometimes because you're always giving somebody disability 101 classes mm-hmm. and it's like, can we move yeah. past that, please? Like, where the fuck is disability 205? I'm there. Can somebody, <laughs> like, can we get there, please? So, yeah. I just I want us to be able to disabled people are some of the some of the funniest most hilarious most kind people mm-hmm. that that I know but we never get to see that side of them because we're always fighting for access to their lives and that isn't fair if you give us access to our lives we you can play with us and that's what is important mm-hmm. that's what we're missing that's the piece we're missing no one gets to see a disabled person play You know, that, that was one of the notes I want to talk to you about. It's like, you know, your sense of humor and the, the humor I've noticed in disabled communities. I Did mean, I, I scare that... you with my sense of humor? Sorry about that. No, no. It was like I want to talk to you about Because, I mean, you know, I love, I love comedy. I mean, I, I like a laugh here and there. I like to... But, I mean, you just, you just exude, like, uh, this, you know, good humor. And I've noticed it. Uh, and a lot of the disabled people that I've met, and it's not like, oh, you, if you have a disability, you're just granted a sense of humor. But I, I, I mean, think it's a special kind of like... It's sort of true, though. You are kind of granted a sense of humor because we use it as a defense mechanism. Mm. If I laugh at myself first, you're not going to say something ableist. If I make a joke first, you're not gonna, you're not going to be able to make the ableist joke because I already did it. I already did my sense of humor now. Like I, and I, I do, I do it with sexual humor. I'm very like, I'm very like, Hey, cause, cause then people see that I'm a sexual person. But like mm-hmm. really, truly though, on the, the offshoot of that is that I'm a shy, awkward, like person that isn't like, I'm very shy when it comes to sex, which is weird. Cause I work in sexuality, but I'm very much like, Oh, cool. You want to do that? Okay, cool. I'm going to be over here in the corner, like, hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But <laughs> I use that humor and that, like, bravado to be to show people that I deserve sexuality. So it is, in a way, it is, you are granted a humor, a sense of humor as a disabled person, in a way, I think, because mm-hmm. it's, you use it as a, a shield of armor. Like, the story with the older woman at the restaurant. I mean, you could get really pissed and get in a fight all the time. Oh, I did. But <laughs> you still had some humor. Yeah, so, no. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, su- you get super pissed, of course. But then you're like, man, you you have a little, you have a little bit of something to kind of keep it, rather than just bubbling over. The yeah, I know. And this is why I think disabled people get sicker faster. This is why I think because you don't let us show you our mm. humor. We're always constantly, like, going back to what I said, I want to unclench my asshole a little bit in front of people. Like, <laughs> I want to take a breath. I want to be yeah. able to laugh with you about stuff. And right. one, of the, one of my most favorite things to do with people, especially dudes that I fuck, is to get mm-hmm. them to call me a cripple or to get them to see my disability in some kind of way during our encounter mm-hmm. because then they understand it. So... One of the sex workers that I work with, I'm not going to say who it is, but he's great and he's, I enjoy him quite a lot. One day we were walking back to my place because we'd gone out to eat and we're coming back to my house to do the sexy time. And he goes, 
he says something like, you all, you can't really move in bed and you're kind of stuck on your back. So you're kind of like a vegetable and you're kind of like a potato. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could have been like, oh my God, fuck you. That's ableist. Like, oh, wow. But I just thought what he's trying to say is that he sees me. He under and I, I started howling with laughter and I just laughed. And now <laughs> when we hang out, he calls me potato. And it's <laughs> it's a really cute kind of funny way of him saying, I see you and mm-hmm. I understand you're disabled and it doesn't phase me. And there like mm-hmm. there's something using that humor to bring non-disabled people into that experience and mm-hmm. say, laugh about this with me. Please laugh about this with me. I'd rather mm-hmm. have you laugh at it with me than cry about it with me. So like, right. let's laugh about it. So there's something really powerful in that. And I, that's why I love being kind of like, I love being an acerbic jokester and making people like, and also the humor is a way of making people look at their own ableism and be like, oh fuck, I wasn't, I didn't realize that. Oh, now mm-hmm. maybe I will. Right. Well, he's also not like punching down or laughing down at you. It sounds like, it sounds like a shared shared humor yeah i you know and i will i call myself a cripple and i i'm i'm very open about the language i use because i want i like the shock and awe value a little bit because it makes people sit up and take notice what i'm really trying to say which is like please include me i i have a right to be here but if i can Mm -hmm. tell you that will also make you laugh why i great but i mean people shouldn't be just throwing around the word cripple though right yeah i mean let, 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 me, let me just throw out let, okay don't if you, if you are walking down the street and you see a wheelchair user or somebody tells you they're disabled or somebody mm-hmm. says i have an invisible disability the next thing on your mouth should not be hey cripple what up like don't <laughs> let don't start there please yeah don't you don't start there yeah all right but I think, you know, it's a good point overall is like, you know, you got to kind of enter into a vulnerable place with another person and then that way you could really share it. Yeah, totally. I, I know it's kind of being like, yeah, it summarize this whole thing. But, you know, what what is the main takeaway you hope people get uh, out of all of these things we've covered? But like your main what is the main thing you want to share with people? your life's work kind of thing. I mean, boil down your whole existence. Yeah. Let me just Let me. distill myself into <laughs> a 30-second soundbite for you, Graham. Um, I know. It's going to be 15 seconds now. Shit. I, mean, you know, what, uh, what is... I just think that being disabled is fucking awesome. And I want to be that role model for the next generation of disabled people who need somebody. When I was... When I, 15 years ago, when I was like 20, I didn't have somebody like me. I didn't Mm -hmm. have somebody like me to look up to. I want to be that person for that 15-year-old kid at home who needs a role model to look at me and go, he did it, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can change somebody, if I can make somebody see, I don't want to, I always used to say I want to change somebody's point of view and that feels weird. But if I can make somebody see disability for what it is and see it with a new lens then I've done my job um, and if I can do it while making you laugh and or getting naked with me that's great too so like <laughs> I mean I just want people to see disability for what it is, it is and start realizing that disability is not a bad thing being disabled is fucking awesome it's also fucking hard there are moments of it that I don't like it's a part of the human experience and when it when it comes for you because P.S. everybody listening 
It's coming for you. You just don't know when or how. It's mm-hmm. coming for you. When it comes for you, and we told you we needed those ramps before. We told you we needed all this stuff before. You didn't mm-hmm. listen. When you need that, we're gonna be we're gonna help you, but we're also gonna sit there and be like, We told you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just know that it's coming for you. And not not to not to be like it's coming for you, but it is. It's coming mm-hmm. and it's it can be fucking awesome if you let it and being disabled and being marginalized is something we should be proud of um, and we should and we as a society need to realize that we gotta do more we have to stop and this is why I love like when I first I remember when I first read the brief of what this podcast was I was like oh fuck what is this like what 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 <laughs> but talking with you you know for the last hour it's this stuff is so important because you you don't purport to know anything that sounds mean. What I mean is, you, <laughs> what I mean is, like you don't come in with this like perceived knowledge base. You just don't know, and you want to learn. So this kind of stuff, talking to somebody who's totally outside my wheelhouse about this stuff, is, is really key. And when it comes to disability, if you don't know, ask. And if the disabled person says to you, "I don't want to answer your question," they have a right to say no. Mm-hmm. So the big takeaway is: listen to disabled people, mm-hmm. um, respect disabled people. And understand that you too will become a disabled person one day. Mm-hmm. There it is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks for uh, clenching your butthole with me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Hear more of Andrew on his podcast, Disability After Dark, available where you listen to podcasts. Follow him on Twitter at it's Andrew Gerza and at Disabled After Dark Pod. That's D I S A F T Dark Pod. For other episodes of Straight White Guy Listening, please visit straightwhiteguylistening.com or follow us at SWG Listening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe, like, and review while you're there. Straight White Guy Listening is created and produced by Graham High and Rebecca Breithaupt. Special thanks to Andrew Gerza for taking the time to speak with us. All music in this episode was written by Daniel Birch from the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.